2: What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Maduro. Got you, Hadi White joining me here in just a minute. First, I want to get to our ad reads for today, brought to you by Stateside Vodka, as always, and they're delicious. Surfside hard iced teas, hard lemonades, hard peach teas, hard half and halves. Uh, they're all good. I've mentioned this before. The lemonade is my favorite. Played a couple hours of pickleball on Sunday. Knocked out a couple uh, surf sides after. It's a perfect afternoon. So keep those in mind as the weather's getting warm here. Also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, matchup reports, baseball, boxing, golf, UFC, tennis, all the above. Bet Online continues to be your fastest and easiest way to place all your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website today to sign up and get in on, get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code Believe to receive your fifty percent off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, let's bring in Jihadi and get this thing going. All right, everybody, welcome into another Believe in Wizards. I'm Matt Moderna. I've got Jahadi White joining me here. Uh we've got a lot to talk about today, Jihadi. I'm so excited. Uh it's a new day with the Washington Wizards. How are you feeling about all the moves overall here? Not bad, actually. Not bad. I mean, some of them are were uh,
0: inevitable yeah. anyway. So from so far what we got out of them, I think uh I think we got some good youth.
2: Yeah, I, I think that seemed to be the thing they prioritized here is is getting some younger guys they could try out and then uh, getting off some salary, which was obviously pretty important to them. And then uh, it also seems like they prioritize second round picks here. We're going to get into that a little bit, but it seems like the Wizards own every second round pick for forever uh, at this point. So we can we can talk through that a little bit here. Right now, I think probably anybody listening to this is, is familiar. Bradley Beal has been traded. He went to the Phoenix Suns along with Jordan Goodwin. That one bummed me out big time in the moment. I didn't really understand why we were giving them Brad and one of our kind of exciting younger guys. But I'm not, not really sure what the thinking was behind that one.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, that was tough to get up. Jordan and Brad, that's a lot of fire. Yep. Not always fire power, but just vigor, fire, motivation. Mm-hmm. You know, a player like Jordan, he's just gonna grow. And he, it's it's hard to replace that specific type of energy and that type of mentality, just a a person who would go out and do anything for the team and gonna give you his all and dive on the floor, everything 50-50. You can guarantee he's gonna fight for. He's gonna be a a, a very undersized. That's rebounder. So, to me, I don't know if that was more of a Brad thing. You mm-hmm. know, it may have been a little part of his deal. Sure. You know. Um, I want my guy to come with me. I got to have my guy to come with me. Yeah.
2: Which yeah, is great I, I Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a guy. Hometown steal.
0: guys from yeah. the same city.
2: Yep. No, that's a, it was a huge pickup for Phoenix because he'll probably have to play for them this year. Like a good amount, I would think. Uh Definitely. And they and Phoenix
0: needs that aggressiveness.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? They need some, they need an aggressive edge in that type of player, you know, especially losing um who they lose last year. Well, they did the one who didn't play a lot for something. He was going through contract negotiation, finally left. Uh Jay Crowder. Crowder. Yeah. Crowder was kind of a physical type. Yeah. You know, that aggressive type, do a dirty work type. So to me, good one really would kind of help replace that loss of Crowder.
2: Yeah, he can come in and be the the guy to do all the dirty work from the guard position, and I think he's a perfect fit next to those three other wing scorers, you know, push the ball, defend tougher guys in the perimeter, rebound, just get after people, and and he doesn't have to worry about, like, his shooting percentages and stuff. He's going to be wide open, so it seems like a great fit.
0: Right, and then he doesn't, and they are not looking for him to score a lot. So he can pretty much
2: make an impact without having to light up the scoreboard. I was bummed when that happened just because this is one of the few guys the Wizards have found. They know that they it was somebody they identified that other teams didn't. And he performed. Honestly, I think he's on pace with some of their first round picks. Uh, So to get him undrafted and kind of grow him in the organization it's a guy playing like a first round pick essentially, or a late first round pick or whatever you want to call it. But also was like hungry, like an undrafted player. And the on court stuff is important, but this is the guy busting other people's asses in practice. This is the guy, you know, making sure other people put the time and work in like, that's invaluable. your
0: other players better. Right. He will literally make your other players better.
2: Not only that.
0: Me, he's going to just get better every day. Um, that's why I said, couldn't. In the end of the day, the Wizards knew they had to get rid of Brad. Sure, they knew they had. They wanted to get it done. They wanted to get it done fast. Brad wanted it done fast. Mm-hmm. If this was one of Brad's requests in the process of trading him, right? The Wizards pretty much had to grant that um, for a bigger picture, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. I mean, it's a. It's not like a guy that they. It was not like a first round and not even a second round. Really, they found him in a, you know, it's a G League type of situation. Sure. So it if you look at it that way, okay, all right, Brad. But if you look at it as what this guy could bring us, mm-hmm. it it does it does make a, a a little hit, you know. It's a it's a hit toward them. Um, but in the end of the day, they knew that they were going to tr- – the, the whole point was we're going to restructure anyway. Right.
2: Yeah, he he doesn't break your back to trade. Right. You were probably right. only going to – Compromise this him? guy for the, the entire plan of restructure. It, exactly. Like it's if we had to throw him in, we had to throw him in. I, I understand that from like a logical standpoint. But when I saw it, I was like – I was pretty bummed in real time. And they threw in Isaiah Todd, who I, I still think will turn into an NBA player. At some point in his career here too so that was a little bit of a a bummer to see both those guys as as late additions to the trade uh the wizards out of that got back chris paul landry shamit uh 2024 first round pick swap a 2024 second round pick a 2025 second round pick a 2026 first round pick swap a 2026 second round pick a 2027 second round pick a 2028 first round pick swap a 2028 second round pick a 2030 first round pick swap and a 2030 second round pick uh i know that sounded redundant i read those all off only to show that uh there is stuff that came back here and those later pick swaps in you know the 2030 time frame you know brad is probably on the back end you know 7 years from now kevin durant is probably retired 7 years from now like you've just got booker and some other dudes the Phoenix first round picks could be pretty valuable. So being able to, if we're good by 2030 and they're not being able to switch with them, that could actually end up being really valuable for the Wizards down the road here.
0: Yeah, it it will be if if you have time on your side. Right. So it seems like the Wizards' entire plan to say, hey, we have we put together a super a super team of GMs and organization. Mm-hmm. Now like, what's our window of time to be be good? Yeah, to a good be player. a like be a, a major competitor, be a not only a playoff team, but a team that's in the finals, fighting mm-hmm. for the finals every year, or winning the finals. Yep. They're not. They they seem like they're really under the understanding that this is not something that's going to happen overnight.
1: Yep.
0: So, in that case, it seems like their position or their angle is to work for time for Mm -hmm. the future. Let's get a lot of opportunities for the future that we can, the most opportunities for the future we can, as we can get long as we're here. And as long as Ted is letting us take this angle and work this game plan, then we have time Mm because we will be here, which is kind of unheard of now in today's NBA. Everything is pretty much, you know, instant. We got to get an instant oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it it could be it could work good for them, to, you know, in the future, the way they're setting it up. I'm just not used to seeing it, and I don't know how long the f- fans would be patient with that process.
2: I uh, agreed. I think that's why those pick swaps help you though, because you could be good again in three years and still end up with lottery picks down the road because of those swaps if, if Phoenix doesn't you know immediately like turn it over and 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 keep kind of you know a competitive team going when those guys retire which they could you never know but at least it gives you some potential chances to maybe still get talent influxes if if you're the wizards down the road um looking at the the OKC model, the last time they kind of flipped this thing, they tried to do it in like three years uh, when Travis Schlenk was with the Hawks. They rebuilt completely within three years. So I would imagine that's probably like their general window here is they want to try to be like a playoff team again within this sort of three year window. And then hopefully you've also given yourself some like longer term assets to keep building beyond that. That That's what I would guess is sort of the, the game plan.
0: Yeah, three years in. Three years in, in the NBA is short. Sure. It is. It's very short. Yeah. But for a fan.
2: I <laughs> know I'm with you.
0: A season is long. Yeah. I mean, for a fan, they can love you and in, doing 25% of the season, that, sec, that the rest of that 75% of the season.
2: People forget quickly. It yeah.
0: would take for it will feel like it's a yeah. decade. <laughs> no, I know. Right. So even now, the wizards have to still, I get the process. The wizards still have to show some growth.
2: Yeah. That's a great point.
0: So, yeah. you know, um, so it's, it, you look at it both ways. I think you do both. Mm-hmm. And I think they're doing, actually doing a good job of doing both.
2: Yeah. I, because, I'm totally with you. Because
0: I like out of the picks we have, I really see two that's that can really lead us to to the future.
2: Okay, which which two guys are you keying in on here?
0: I like Poole. so obviously okay. Poole. Yeah, right. And I think the biggest sleeper is Bilal. Oh yeah, I, he's fun to watch, right? I mean, that, ah, that, man, I think he's the biggest sleeper in the in in, in the um, in the draft. Yeah. I,
2: you know, I, I think next year he would have been a top five pick for sure so to uh, get him easily, at, to get him at eight easily. or i guess seven this year's pick
0: and and he's a and he's a he's a freak to mm-hmm. me yeah right in a in a sense six eight point guard that's the hope six eight point guard right mm-hmm. can so it's now he can guard one through five, and he will guard one a lot. Yeah. And you have to play against a six eight guy as a point, and he's as quick as you, and his athletic never get again. the shot off. Right, athletic. I mean, now and and he will make get tough and high IQ because because he played point, you know, growing up. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really and can run the floor mm-hmm. long. He's like a speed is. He reminds me of a combination of a OG OG and a newbie mm-hmm. and a and a
2: Chris a young Chris Paul. Wow. I well, that's pretty good praise, right? I mean, like Yeah, so that.
0: and then you you pair that with a Jordan Poole.
2: Right? That's a, so a dangerous backcourt.
0: To me, that's a dangerous backcourt already. Yep. You can build around that backcourt. So I don't think we we lost, you know, and they're young, right? That's huge. We swapped, we swapped, you know, youth. We got some youth for you know some vets. I don't think they did. I don't think they did a bad job. I saw some Wizards fans trying to say now with now with Porzingis. I don't know with that that, but as far as what we got right, what we have right now with those
2: two, I like it. I, yeah, I think that's that's perfectly said there. And I I didn't feel the same way at the at as they were happening. I was like, oh, we did better with Porzingis than Beale. and now it's like, no, actually, we we definitely did. not But um, the the interesting thing, I, I I've seen some fans trying to say that they felt like Poole is already you know as good as Bradley Beal, and no, he isn't. Like, let's just like not revisionist history here. Like, Beal is still the better player, but. By the ends of their contracts, who is the better player? Uh, Pool is only gonna get better, presumably, at his age. And Beals at that point in his career, where he's probably starting to, he's definitely not still trending up, I would say, at this point, at you know, at 29 um, or 30, I forget which Brad actually is. So um, you probably don't lose a ton there over the next couple years, and and Pool is cheaper. And and if he doesn't work out super well, uh By the end of his contract, he's somebody he's cheap enough you could flip for more assets for another team if he's not working out for you. So I think that's actually like a really sneaky, smart pickup for them for a lot of reasons.
0: Right. I think to me, Brad is still much better than Poole. Agreed. Yeah. Just four years from now. What does that look like, though? Well, you it's the but the biggest factor is Poole had it. Poole is skilled. Poole is aggressive. Mm hmm. Pooh has to get the mentality that Brad has.
1: Yeah. Just gonna.
0: Right. Right. That's Poole's biggest downfall is his mentality
1: mm-hmm.
0: right now. So that's the, that's a major factor that we, that you really have to consider in all of this. So, because now when, when things get tough, right. Poole disappears. Mm-hmm. All right. So um he's still very young. He acts pretty he acts very young.
1: I
2: think that's a that's so the thing that worries
0: me a little bit. About is... okay. Yeah. And now you got another a, a guy coming from France, which is who's young, which probably I think he may be more mature right it, now.
2: It honestly, kind of like you know, like because
0: it... he's well, you know, people those guys that's coming from overseas been playing pro ball mm-hmm. since 15, 16 years old. Right. So, you know, this Pro Ball is not new to him. You know, being mm-hmm. a professional isn't being a professional isn't new to him. So he may be better for pool.
2: Did you ever have any young international teammates come over to hire your guys that got drafted while you were here? I'm mean, not, not to quiz you or put you on the spot in, in real time here, but I'm just curious like how big of a learning curve that is for these guys. To me, if someone said Go to this new country, adapt to this way of life, and take on this new profession, where you play three times as many games a year. I, I you know, I think that that takes time. Like I think that's something that we kind of underestimate. It seems like a, a bigger deal than maybe we kind of give it credit for.
0: So yeah, with younger players. So the problem, the thing is, with most younger players that I've dealt with, that that came over from overseas, mm-hmm. that play professional. They seem more mature, but they always had a uh, interpreter.
2: Mm. Yeah, you're right. hearing a grown man translate some stuff, for that right? One. So it's once once the
0: interpreter comes into play, it, it almost brings them back to kind of uh, not as a veteran, more you know that you can see that they yeah. worked that the, You can see that see it in you know way they carry themselves you can see the way they're in that discipline sure. but when you have an interpreter everything seems like you know from a perspective of not understanding what it's what you know what's go- what's being said mm-hmm. it looks like they're in class
1: yeah
0: and get the college vibe a little bit in there, a right? sense so right get the co- so it automatically puts the, you put it in your mindset you put them in a, a younger space
2: Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh I I'm I'm trying to think. I can't remember any like young Euro guys that were from from uh you know overseas that that came over while uh, while you were there but you were there while Kwame was there. I, I mean is there like what's that like when you come in and there's huge expectations? Like you've got Bill Simmons saying Koulibaly reminds him of the French Scotty Pippen already and that's what he's he could see him being like that's a huge Huge thing to hear right away. You've got your own teammate, Victor Womenyama, saying you should have easily been a top five pick. Like, that's a lot to deal yeah. with um, right out of the gate. Well, it depends. Is it a lot to deal with? <laughs> if you I mean, listen to it, I guess it's a lot to deal with, right? If like, you listen you already have been...
0: You're already professional. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, my microphone is acting out. So, to me if you're already professional, right, you play professional ball in France for a long time. Mm-hmm. Been playing against grown men for a long time. Right? At a high level. That's, a, that's already a pro mentality. Sure. Right? I don't think he's coming over here without the feeling like, oh, the NBA, I can't handle it. I can't play it. I'm sure he's played against a lot of the, these players. Everybody, You know, anyway, somewhere, mm-hmm. somehow, trained. I see Bilal as a confident kid. I a very confident kid. And mm-hmm. most likely I see him as what, what Wimbyama said about him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It feels like he said, yeah, he's speaking the truth. Yeah. He got something to prove. When you got something to prove, if you didn't go where you felt like you needed to go in that draft,
2: prove something. Yeah,
0: you have something to prove. Believe you me, like you <laughs> want to kill every everything on the court as far as just dominating. So he's going, and, and obviously, if you've seen him play. He's confident in his skills. I'm confident in his skills. <laughs> I like, I like the kid. I like what I see. Yep. I, I agree with Wembenyama.
2: I think this is the interesting thing here, and and for anyone that's sort of more skeptical about the pick, I would say, watch both levels he played at last year. If you just watched him on their pro a team with Wembenyama, you know, for the second half of the season, essentially, he did play more of like a three and D type role. But if you go watch him play with his under twenty one team, he's got the ball. He's showing a little wiggle, like he's trying to cross guys over and get to the rim. Like he's hitting step backs. I mean, you know, it, like there's enough there where you're like, oh, okay, like this guy's got a bag a little bit. Like that's that's the piece. And and I heard some of this point guard talk originally, and I got a little PTSD because last year with the Johnny Davis pick, you know, you had Johnny Davis who was like a, a point uh power forward on his high school team at six foot four. He goes to Wisconsin. He takes a year to develop. And he's like, suddenly this like dominant scoring guard. And we draft him. And you hear Woj say that he got from Tommy Shepard. And you hear Tommy Shepard say it. Johnny Davis is our point guard of the future. And they ask Wes Unseld about it. And he's like, well, I don't think he's ever played point guard before, but maybe we'll see. And you ask Johnny Davis about it. And he's like, well, I'll try to do whatever they need me to do. It wasn't like They asked Koulibaly about it, and you've got Will Dawkins saying, uh, I would say you'll see early on in summer league, we're going to put the ball in his hands, we're going to give him an opportunity to play, make decisions, make reads in his size. That's pretty exciting, uh, because like to your point, he grew up playing point guard, and and they want him to show that. And then Dawkins also said, it's the thing that pops right away when you see the 7-2 wingspan for a guard. He's 99 percentile for his position, for his height, uh, percentile for his position for length. If you take all the measurements and then see him run and jump, he's probably ninety-nine percentile in that too. But that comes with the effort. He's a guy that takes contact, dishes it out on offense, and defensively he can guard on the ball, guard off the ball. We see him as a guy that can switch and be versatile. He embraces that. To me, that's somebody that's like got a very clear picture of what they want this guy to be for them and why they took him. It's not well. We hope he can play a position he's never played before. It's. You may not have seen him play point guard, but he can do it and we know that about him. I love that.
0: Yeah, I do too. I mean, and not only that, he can be he's not a the average or the standard point guard. Yep. Right. So now you 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 get a just like Wembyama, like he's not he's not a 5, right? right? So now Every team in the NBA is figuring out how who do we who do we put on them? How do Mm -hmm. we guard them? How do we stop them? Right? No way we can block a shot because who the person who had to stop him? We don't want him to even play out where he's playing. Mm -hmm. So the entire dynamic of a of a position that you would normally figure out a person should be is completely turned around. Right? So to me, Bilal's an enigma. Mm -hmm. Right?
1: Yeah, right. No, it's
0: it's, a perfect it. word for it. So that's the that's the sweet part about it. Right? To me, that's why I'm such a good pick. Now, only thing I haven't personally really, really seen is the point guard decision making of facilitating. Yeah, yeah agreed. Right. I've seen everything else. Mm-hmm. So if he's because I mean, in the end of the day, no matter how athletic you are, how great a defender you are. If you're not really being, you can't, you're not a great micro decision maker,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like you make micro decisions and quick. With as a point guard, then, you know, there's no way, it's no way you can run off it. Yeah. Right.
2: So that's the only thing that I'm still, you know, looking to see. I watched some of their uh under nineteen French team from last summer. And I mentioned this when we talked about him, you know, weeks ago or whatever. But like I, I think it was it was interesting to see he's like 20 pounds heavier than last summer. So he's already bulked up and they've got him in a weight training program and, and all those things, which is nice. But he was a little on the ball, more on the ball there. And I wouldn't say he was like a point guard for them, but they like let him do some stuff and push the ball and transition and see if he could make the right plays and and he didn't some of that stuff. So even if he's not a long-term, you know, full-time point guard for you or whatever, at least that he can do it situationally and that pool can do it some situationally. Now we've got two guys that can do a little bit of both. Like you just become a lot harder to guard when, uh, you know, like mul- guys, can, multiple guys can do multiple things, I guess.
1: Right.
0: Right. Yeah. And each, each of those two players, Poole and Bilal that you miss, mentioned, they both have a little bit of each in them, mm-hmm. right? So I haven't seen Poole be a great facilitator either, but you know what? But then again, um, Tat- Tatum and Brown, they're both too big, too big time, just ISO players one-on-one. Sure. And it's been working for them up to a point, yep. you know? So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see. What I mean, cool. plus you got Tyus Jones, right? Yeah, I like that too. Uh, right, you, you know. got Tyus Jones, who, you know, I feel like he's a really, he's a really good point guard. You know, yeah, I think he's just been him. overshadowed by Ja Morant.
2: Yep. So. Yep. When Jaws out, they're good still with him. Like, he, he's an NBA player. I mean, like, he's good. That's a
0: good pickup. Yeah. Right? So, to me, I'm looking at Tyus. I'm looking at Bilal and Jordan Poole. Mm-hmm. I think you can put, you know, one
2: could be, you know, one, two, three. I, I've seen a couple people say they don't want Tyus Jones to start because him and Poole together is a really small backcourt and we've had a bunch of back, small But I, I wouldn't want that long term, but I don't care that much in the short term, right? Like let them play with Tyus, let him set them up to be in positions where they can be successful. And there's, you know, he's scrappy enough that he'll figure it out on his end. And, you know, and I'm well, sure yep. that's. Stefan Poole was on a Stephen Poole was on the court at the same time. Exactly. That seemed to work out just fine, right? I mean, it's You're right. Yeah. And I think Poole's got more he can show there that now that he doesn't have to play next to Steph and Draymond and all this other stuff, like he, he could probably do some other things. So uh
0: that that makes me that interests me and it worries me. <laughs> right. He's gonna try to do too much. <laughs> I we know it's it's yeah, because you know you got it, he's this is what I always say about a player. You'd rather have a player that you would have to scale back to Mm -hmm. try to push them forward. Yeah. I do know that it's going to be a lot of instances that we're going to have to scale pull back. Right. Just for the sake of. Organization organized, like, you know, the, just for the sake of the team.
2: Yeah. Sometimes less is more, right? Like it's yeah, uh,
0: sometimes. Right. So. And as long as we can do that, we can get him in the right space. Because in the end of the day, I think he's gonna have to be our predominant score. Yeah, I agree. Not no, I'm not crazy. I'm not, you know, I'm not I understand that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but with this young now that we're much younger, people gotta get involved.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it, the ball has to move. It's almost like Fox on on Sacramento? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, he gets his, he, but he's also moving that ball. Like mm-hmm. that ball is nonstop moving. Right. So it's like it's a combination of a Spurs offense with the speed of a golden state. Yeah. Right? Where mm-hmm. the ball just constantly. And if we can really incorporate something that way with with those young guys,
2: I think we have something. And that's the thing Fox had to learn too. I think sometimes these guys they have to figure that out a little bit, right? Like, okay, I can do more things here. I can play super fast all the time, but maybe, maybe there are times when I should slow the pace down and like, you know, pick your spots to attack a little bit more for yourself. So, so maybe that's just going to be part of the growing pains with Jordan Poole. So, I, I think for fans, like, if the first 20 games are kind of a hot mess, I, I wouldn't give up on him or, for that experiment it's just give them time to kind of you know figure it all out and no no you don't do it
0: that's experiment you work right you work experiment till you you get it right because that's a it's it's the right it's the right pieces yeah yeah these are the guys you want to try to
2: build you around just, you have to mold them yeah yeah it's the right pieces uh you said it right there. I, I always love this thing from him though. Your your old college coach, John Thompson, uh the second, you'd rather calm down a fool than raise a corpse. I think that's that's the Jordan Poole line in a T. So um, you know, right, we, you know, we live with that. And uh I, this this is gonna be an interesting coaching job for Wes Unselt, though. I think that's sort of the other, you know, open piece of this is I, I don't think anybody felt particularly confident in the way. You know, the last couple years have gone from a coaching perspective, like, you know, Wizards fans as a whole are not screaming like we've got a top five coach. And now we'll see he's also new to the job. And I don't know. Is is it easier as a younger coach or a newer head coach to learn with a newer group than a veteran group? Like what what's that kind of like, Jahani? from like, will this be tougher on Wes or will it be better suited for him? Maybe.
0: I think it'd be. It'd be easier, in one sense. Mm-hmm. You have to get do more, right? Because you don't. You're not going to really get a lot of pushback, but you have to do is a lot of convincing
1: mm-hmm.
0: and a lot of molding. True. With a veteran, you more have to do a lot of like compromise. Yeah. Right, like, let me see my vision. Let me see yours. Or let's compromise, and then, then you try to slowly push more, mm-hmm. right? Without because, the a veteran says, okay, if what you're doing or what you're trying to run hurts my value, then we have a problem. Yeah, right. As long as what we're doing increases my value and don't hurt my value, we good. Sure. But I'm not getting ready to hurt my value mm. to run your system,
1: yeah.
0: Because this is my job too,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Or yep. what well, a what a young person be like, all right. Well, let me see, let me see how, let me do what I do to fit the system,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? They're not even concerned about their value yet. They're concerned about playing, yeah, right? Because their value haven't even kicked hasn't even kicked in yet. And they want to earn those votes from you. Yeah. Yeah. So as a coach, I'm doing more molding you for my system without trying to handcuff you. Mm -hmm. Which is completely, which is, you know, pretty much completely not that much differently, but it's it's more of it's not more as much push
2: and pull. Sure. That makes sense. Uh it is a little concerning that they're probably by all accounts, their two best player development coaches left this off season. It's like, now you have these young guys where you could most benefit from that. That is a little bit of a bummer, but uh, hopefully that's what they're looking to supplement. I, I feel like you probably build your staff out differently with a team like this than you would a team that you were hoping, you know, was better in run and, and could make the playoffs and stuff like that. So hopefully the, the player development guys, um, are are being brought in here uh, pretty soon. Well,
0: you when, when you but that's the thing, you have a lot of youth, and we're trying to go young. You need top player development. Yeah, but then you also need top player development that that's buying into the system.
2: Sure. Yeah, they got to get it right.
0: Right. Well, they got to get right. But what 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 West wants to run. Mm-hmm. I have to make you a better player to individually. Fit that system no individually oh. oh yeah sure i had to feel like i'm make you a better player individually so mm-hmm. no matter where you go in the nba you'll you be better than you were when you left here yeah. but i also have to make you a better player and develop you for the system we're running yeah, as well yeah. that makes right sense. so if i'm West and this and my player development coach is only making the player better individually mm-hmm. <laughs> does not help me. It's not helping me as a coach any. Right. It may be helping the player yeah. a lot. Because right. now his skill, his his reach, his everything is better.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But if I have to also train you within the, the confines of the offense, if that makes any sense, right? Yep. So if I'm just going and doing r- r- you know, skills and drills and routines and and that's not where you're going to have the ball in the offense. <laughs> and it, doesn't yeah, help my, it doesn't help me as a coach.
2: Yeah. You got to be able to apply it in a way that you're actually going to ask to be applying yeah, Within it the system. Yeah.
0: Right. You got to train a kid within the system he plays
2: in. Uh, that's a great point. Uh, we talked a little bit about this a couple episodes too, of just sort of like, the need for veteran leadership on this team and and so this is the other thing fans are asking about is like who should go out that's left from this roster essentially and monte morris is getting some discussion delon wright is getting some discussion they've talked about buying out danilo gallinari is mike mascalla here long term people like that for me i'd be keeping at least a couple of those guys uh Like a DeLon Wright, I think is really interesting. Like he was by all accounts, your best perimeter defender next year. I think that what like Bilal can like learn from DeLon Wright is super important. Here's how you defend other guys. Here's when you gamble for stuff. Here's, you know, like to me that even if it's, I don't know, you say you keep them to the trade deadline or whatever, even those first 50 games together, I still think is valuable to have as a young guy. So I just wouldn't be in a hurry to ship out all the veterans on the roster immediately. And if I had a choice between the two, I'd be keeping the ones that are maybe more defensive minded because that's, that's what I think you want to try to build with this group when you've got length and athleticism and things like that is, is those guys that are going to be locked in defensively the whole time.
0: I think it comes down to keeping the guys who understand what their job is. Yeah. that's right? what I'm going to do. So <laughs> understand your job is now more than, you got, your job is still to produce when you're on the court, but your, your main job is to take these, these young guys under your wing, mm-hmm. teach them everything that you can, sure. you know, right? Because in the end of the day, now when as a veteran, it comes to a point to where you only have so many years left, I'm watching you to see If I can, one day you can, you know, be a GM or be Mm -hmm. a player development guy or be a coach. Right. 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 So now you're getting paid not only to just, we know what you can do. We know what you can't do. We know what you can give. We know as much as what you're not giving. Mm -hmm. But how much information can you pass on to our, our younger guys? And, and Tyus Jones is like a good – And team. that's really going to determine – that's really going
2: to determine if you're here or not. Yeah, I I think that's that's a, it's a great way to look at it. And and I think someone that's like – that's, Remember, that's, how, that's why they always keep
0: veterans on the bench.
2: Yeah. You remember how
0: to. they used to? That's, it was for that specific reason, right? So now that's going away, but certain teams just have to have it. And if they don't, you better have a certain type of coach. mm mm-hmm. You better have a Mike Brown. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. I, I think you know to to, to 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 instill a lot of just culture because mm-hmm. when yeah. you don't have that veteran leadership, you got to have a lot of culture.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the guys they've picked up in this trade are, by all accounts, like good, solid veterans. Like, nobody says anything bad about Tyus Jones. Mike moscala has been the ultimate professional, and he's a guy that came from a smaller yeah. school and has had to work hard. Like, those kinds of guys are, are, are people I would be focused on, you know, keeping here to, to fill out that roster with. And, um, you no, know, if you want to buy Gallinari out because he's only got a couple years left and he wants to try to win, like, okay, fine. You don't want a veteran here that's not happy to be here. but I can't imagine like Mike Muscala is rocking the boat about being on this rebuilding team would be my guess. Uh, And just looking at the Porzingis trade, we mentioned Muscala and Jones and um, Gallinari. Those are the guys they, they essentially got back for Porzingis. The other big piece here is they got the number 35 pick in this year's draft. They traded it for two future seconds. Johnny, we were talking about this before we recorded. I didn't really understand the move because I liked a lot of the guys still on the board at 35, but I guess the thinking here is like in this draft alone, the Wizards had to trade up, trade two second round picks to get up to number seven to make sure they still got Belial. So maybe they're thinking all these second round picks help them do little moves like that over time and be They've talked about wanting to be aggressive to get the guys they want, so I guess if they figured they have lots of these things as like throw-ins for other deals, maybe that helps them, but I don't know. I still would have tried to keep the, the, the 35th pick in this draft personally.
0: Yeah. I don't get the the thought process behind it. The, you know, the, the angle behind it at all. And maybe. I don't know, but I just, I just um, just feel that that would have really helped us out. Yeah. Plus, that
2: pick in the draft was a good pick.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. The kid they took, Julian Phillips, was a former five star recruit that had a rough year. Like, that's who went 35th. Like, that's the kind of guy I think you want to try to get in the second round and rehab somebody's value and and see if they can, you know, be the player everybody thought they were going to be a year ago. Yeah. I don't. Look.
0: Sometimes they, people, you know, feel like they know what they're doing and been in the job a long time and are professionals, but some things are just right in your face, just <laughs> pretty much obvious, especially with two second-round picks later. it's not a, They're not major yeah. picks. So, yeah, I don't understand the thought process behind that one particularly.
2: It's also easy enough to, like, buy a second-round pick later in another draft if you needed to so uh, you know a hey. million dollars in cash would get you another second round pick from a team if you needed it wasn't that valuable to... right hey. yeah like what, why do you get rid of that
0: how do you come together as a three-headed monster and say this is what
2: we're doing my, what my... did what do you really gain yeah they must have just said, look, we we just were out of guys we like in this draft or something. I, 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 that's the only thing I can think of is they're just like, you know what? We've we've maxed out on the dudes we really want. And they also took um, European player Tristan Vukcevich, uh seven picks later. So maybe they thought this is our guy and we can definitely still get him at 42. So we don't need 35. Yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of the only thing I came back to is like. All right, we can get our dude. We don't like anyone else in this range enough. You know, let's get something for it. But I I don't know. I still wouldn't have done it either. But, uh, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust our super super friends for an office here enough that that maybe they got something uh smart behind the scenes. We don't know about. I don't know.
0: Yeah, because I, I have no information for that one. I was pretty much this on on that decision.
2: Uh I got one or two more sort of Random ones for you before we close out here. Anything else you want to add on on the Beal trade, the pool edition, the Bealile draft pick, the Porzingis trade? Anything else as we wrap that piece of the show up?
0: No, I think I think the Wizards actually did a good job. Same, yeah, Uh, and which which were we? That's what we were trying to wait on. Like, what are they going to do? Who are we going to get for Brad? Like, there's a lot of who. uh, out of the big three you know who's going you know so um i think they did a really good job with the bill trade porzingis trade so much i i just think they were just wanting to free up some money there yep. so but um we have a good backcourt to start with
2: yeah you said that the pieces are the right pieces i mean that's that's exciting yeah. Uh, all right. So two other things worth noting—not super big moves here, but they've got a lot of young dudes on this roster. I think a lot of them will play summer league. So we haven't seen a ton of, of summer league announcements. But they have said that uh, Iowa State big man Asun Asuni Asuni. Um, I, I think I'm probably butchering that, but uh, will play summer league for the Wizards this year. Uh, he worked out for the Wizards in early June. He's about 6'9", 6'10", has a seven foot eight wingspan, good mobile guy, runs the floor hard, blocks shots. He'll be a good pickup for summer league, maybe for the go-go next year. Uh, he is 24 years old, which I think is why he wasn't really on draft radar. But uh, he started his career at St. Bonaventure and blocked almost three shots a game while he was there in, in the A-10. He's played for two really good, smart, defensive-minded college coaches. So I think that's a good pickup. And then another name I'm, I'm sure I'm going to butcher here Dejan Vasiljevic. Vasiljevic. Um, he's played four years at the University of Miami, played the last three years in the Australian NBL League. He's a 6 3 combo guard, just won um, the NBL championship back to back years with the Sydney Kings. He's a career 39% three point shooter on six attempts per game. So anytime you watch him, it's literally just him hoisting up threes, pretty much from wherever he is on the court. So I don't know if either of those guys are like long term uh, NBA players or, or whatever, but but interesting enough guys to fill out the summer league roster with and just see, see if they mash and, and maybe you can put them on the go go team next year. So worth worth looking at, I think.
0: Yeah, it's always good to to kind of really tap in those overseas players and see what. You know, what diamond in the rough or, you know, need in a haystack you can find, you know, you'll never mm-hmm. know, so. I'm glad we're kind of looking over there to see, Hey, let's, let's see the possibility of these certain guys, you know, that we could mess around and really find a gym. So when you get those guys that's athletic or can really put up shots, you're looking for a specific type of guys, right. Mm-hmm. And saying, okay, how do they fit within our system? And can we make them pros? And I think the G league, the summer league is a perfect place to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, then you bring them into, you know, um, training camp and see if they can survive
2: that. Yeah.
0: And you may have a Jordan good
1: one. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's the only way to find out know, if you got you know, some. Yeah.
0: Right. And then once, if you get
2: one or two of those, you look like a, you know, you look like, <laughs> yeah. you look like a genius. Yeah. Yeah. I totally. agree. Um, Vasiljevic played on the Sydney Kings with Xavier Cooks that the Wizards picked up at the tail end of last year, their other Australian player. So there's some familiarity there. Maybe while looking at Cooks, they saw something in him that was worth picking up. And uh, they said Cooks will also probably play summer league. So he's a 27 year old, but, uh, you know, he'll get his chance to to show some stuff with these other young guys, which I think is um which is cool and I am bummed this is like the first year of the last couple of years I have not been able to go to Summer League and this is the team I would most like to see at Summer League yeah. so uh that Well, I may be there I so I, I I give you there you go I'll give you some feedback. Okay, I love that. Uh please do. I I think it should be probably the most exciting group we've put together there in in some time. So that'll be awesome. Uh all right. This is uh this was brought to my attention by Conlin of the District of Collectors, um, uh, DC Topshot Group, he said that celebrity chef David Chang, who owns the Momofuku restaurant chain, uh, said on his podcast um, they were looking at NBA players they'd want for dinner guests, and he listed you as one of them. And then he also told an anecdote that he'd heard from some friends that went to Georgetown that Alan Iverson used to sit behind you in some classes because he wanted to sleep and have nobody notice him. Is that a true story, Johanny? That, that's hysterical. Oh, man. <laughs> what did he hear that from? Uh, he, he, like, he, how did you he
0: get that information?
2: He's from the D.C. area, and he said he had a lot of friends that went to Georgetown at the time. So it um, seemed like he had some insider info there, maybe. Oh,
0: man. That's that's funny. That's funny. I um, Yeah, I, I kind of remember times we like, man, just sit in front of me, I'm sitting back here, right? So, <laughs> so yeah, he would do that. Alan Isa would do that. Um that, that's pretty awesome. Not saying that, you know, one if we all know how smart Allen i is, sure. you know, he could have he could have breezed through those classes. Yep. He's just Alan Ivson. I love that man. One of one. Yeah, but that's funny. Uh,
1: I am
2: glad that's <laughs> yeah, funny
0: that he, he Cause I I didn't how did he get that information because that's more with me uh me and Alan type of thing
2: yeah right I don't know he may maybe uh maybe his right. friends knew AI a little bit or something yeah uh I I do I mean I'm you know I went to a I'm f- I'm very familiar with his restaurants <laughs> the, the delicious food you can't go wrong with that so uh pretty yeah. cool pretty cool that uh, he'd want you as his, well, a dinner guest you might have to work something well, out here tell him they send invite right, I'm there uh, yeah, I'm, I will happily uh, tag along for that one too. So very cool. Um, all right. I think that's all I got for you, partner. Any uh, parting shots here? Oh, no, not at all, man. Not at all. I'm good. All right, folks. Uh, this is another believe in wizards podcast. I think we, uh, it's a new era of wizards basketball now. So we'll have some exciting things to talk about and free agencies coming up actually starting tomorrow. So, We'll see if we uh, have any big free agency news for you. The Kuzma one is probably the biggest one. Seems like he's probably gone. And whether or not they need to sign and trade him to do it is probably Yeah, I don't think they're gonna keep him. Yeah, I don't yeah, think so. The way maybe. things are
0: going, that's Kuzma pretty much I would be understanding as a player, this is not the team for me. Right. Yeah you know, it trying to, you know, seems like that. Which now that things are panning out how they are, would be a bad fit.
2: I kind of like it to some extent, to be honest with you. They need another forward, so it's not the worst thing.
0: Yeah. So we'll see.
2: Uh, you know, I guess it remains to be seen if he leaves straight up or the team he wants to go to needs us to sign and trade him. And can they get anything else back for it? That'd be another huge move for this front office. If if he does leave, can they get some kind of, I don't know, asset back in place? Um, that That'd be a big pickup. But either way, right. we'll keep you all posted. We'll have something to talk about next week. Uh, this has been Believe in Wizards. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we will catch you all next time. And we're presented by betonline.ag. Can't forget that part.